0: Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world.
1: listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Komal Minhas, founder of Corespace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness and impact. Visit K-A-U-R rspace to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. On today's show, we're speaking to Jill Earthy, who is the head of Female Funders. Jill is an entrepreneurial-minded leader who believes diversity drives innovation. As the head of Female Funders, Jill is empowering female leaders to become investors in early-stage companies through education and access. Through Female Funders and Investor Accelerator, Jill and her team equip corporate and tech leaders with the knowledge, access, and networks they need to reach success. Through her work, Female Funders is changing what the investing world means and looks like for women. Jill was the former chief growth officer of Front Funder, an online investment platform bridging the gap between entrepreneurs and investors. As a serial entrepreneur, Jill has built and sold two national companies. Jill is a community leader and active mentor and currently serves on the board of governors for Simon Fraser University and as board chair of the Women's Enterprise Center in BC. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am so excited about our conversation today. And as with any, I I tend to do this with all of our podcast episodes, but I love a good origin story. So I'd love (laughs) to know, uh, where are you from? How did you get to this uh, passion point in your career for female funders and to be educating folks about what it means to invest?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a great, uh, a great question. Um, and, it, and it's always interesting, right, when you reflect back on your career and, and what that path looks like. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. And then when you sometimes it does and it all clicks together. And I think I've been fortunate to, to, to have part of that experience. So I always think I had that sort of entrepreneurial Edge to me. I think part of that was because I always knew I wanted to do things differently, and I wanted to have um, have influence and and make an impact. And so, did my MBA many years ago with a focus in entrepreneurship. Um, Almost went into banking. <laughs> it was very, cl- very close to going into banking when I suddenly had one of those aha moments of recognizing that I, I, I didn't want to go. And although it was important and it would have been an incredible opportunity, but just didn't want to be in a large corporation um, where I wouldn't have had as much uh, impact. Certainly not early in my career. Uh, so immediately uh, was took on, on a volunteer role, which turned into a full-time role working with some entrepreneurs um, who took me under their wing, and I was hooked. <laughs> so I had the incredible opportunity to work in a couple of entrepreneurial environments, probably even before even the word entrepreneurship was as widely used as it is now. Um, but small, small business environment and love the variety um, and had the opportunity early in my career um, through the support of my mentors to start my first business. So loved the highs and lows of, of that, uh, was fortunate to, to grow it um, and then to have an opportunity to sell it. Obviously, I'm not living uh, on an island somewhere, but still an interesting experience <laughs> to, go, to, to go to go through and. Um, and then after that journey, really realized that I loved working with entrepreneurs. So I had the opportunity to lead an organization called the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs um, as CEO, and then uh, for five years mentoring, supporting, you know, access, increasing access to capital for women entrepreneurs. And then had the opportunity to build the futurepreneur team uh, here in BC and Yukon to support young entrepreneurs. So there's definitely a theme um, <laughs> before leading into my work with FrontFunder um, as chief growth officer, because I, I really along the way got interested in, in this whole piece around capital and our relationship to it as entrepreneurs as we raise it to, uh, to grow our businesses, um, but also on the investor side. How do we engage and empower more people to participate as investors to to understand that process and and although I had been active in the ecosystem for a long time, I did not identify at all as an investor. Never really thought that that was an opportunity that was open to me. Um, was approached about four years ago to make an investment in a fund that was focused on women led technology companies, so right in my wheelhouse and. Uh, you know, really had this again, another moment of like, well, why, why me? And then being handheld through that process and recognizing that it was something I could participate in. So, just to wrap up with with uh, Front Funder, it was an opportunity to really look at a new model, a new way of helping entrepreneurs to access capital in a way that's efficient and transparent, lever- leveraging technology. And then on the other side of that marketplace was empowering more people uh, to participate, you know, at different at different stages and to start that journey as a potential investor to understand the process and learn and, and start to contribute to the ecosystem that way, which obviously led me to where I am now, <laughs> the work that I'm doing um, with female founders, which is an absolute honor and thrill because we're you know, now is an incredible, incredible time when we look at the importance of innovation, um, entrepreneurship in in Canada and obviously in beyond. And, and we, you know, a key part that's been missing is, is diversity on the investment side. We talk a lot about the funding gap for female entrepreneurs and, and that's something that we're actively working to, to, um, to fix, if you will. Um, by increasing diversity of those making investment decisions at the venture capital table, um, at the board table within corporations, even having that lens, and of course, as angel investors and early stage companies. So. Um,
1: so incredible, your career and how um, it all does weave together when we look back, as as people say, hindsight is twenty twenty. 20 But um, I am really curious, I, I'm going to jump through chronologically different parts of your career that I'd love to dive into a little bit more. But when you were talking about the sale of your first company, I think that's something that um, seems elusive sometimes for entrepreneurs. When you were building that first business, was it something that you thought of at the outset with the support of your mentors, as you said, that that we could position this company for sale eventually? Or was it just, I'm going to build this, and then the opportunity arose for that sale to happen? Yeah, it,
2: I would say Um, which is sometimes common, it wasn't, we did not set out to build it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a technology company. It was a service-based company um, focused on in the event sector with working with temporary staff across the country with large clients, like convention centers, stadiums, that sort of thing. And so, no, you're just at that point kind of just building, (laughs) growing. Um, And I was, I was fortunate that I was approached by a company that was obviously larger than mine, also national in scope, where we shared a number of clients where I provided one element of the service, and they provided a different service to these large um, facilities. And so they um, approached me because I wanted to acquire the business to add, add value to theirs. And uh, at first, I wasn't uh, op- I wasn't ready. I, I hadn't because I hadn't been thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and then a variety of things happened because when you're on your own, I had I had started the business with two business partners who I then bought out. Um, so then I was the sole owner and, and it's hard. Totally. <laughs> I was on a plane every week and I, you know, payroll that stress and uh, it was hard. So I think after a period of time and, and when I realized that I had enough value in the business that uh, when somebody was open to offering that support and, and, and to buy it um, and so, then suddenly, having I actually ended up also, I sold the assets of my business and then went and worked for the new larger company to integrate the two businesses, which was a great experience for me as well. Um, but it was, it was like, wow! And then suddenly, I had a, a full, you know, team and more resources, and and that was that was important at that point.
1: Absolutely, I feel like during that transition or when that opportunity arises, especially when it's like kind of out of left field, there can be some fear that comes up um, as a founder to say, like am I ready to sell this thing that I built that I so identify with? Um, What advice would you have for folks who are either at that point in their business where they might be wanting to go out and see if there's any potential buyers or they're being approached? What was that thought process like for you uh, when you were evaluating that decision?
2: Yeah, I think it's really important to take the emotion out of it. Mm. Um, Really, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we become so attached, right? We live and breathe our, our businesses. And so it, it is emotional. And so I think it's important to identify you know, what are your reasons for assessing an opportunity for, for sale. Um, sometimes it's, it's simply because we're, we're tired. <laughs> we're at a point totally. where we're working <laughs> hard and slugging away. Um, and, and of course, it's important, it's easy in hindsight to say, but important to recognize those things as soon as you can, right? And recognize that when you get that Feeling of oh my gosh, can I keep doing that? And to, and to ask for help and to get that external perspective on 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 that on on your own personal why you would even be considering that. And then of course the second part is more the what is the value that you've built in your business? And and of course a business is only worth what somebody's going to pay for it. And mm-hmm. and sometimes that's hard for us to see when we're in it and growing it because we've put so much um, blood, sweat, and tears and and often money. <laughs> totally in time into it so i think there are, i think it's an evolution it, it takes it takes time and and i always just caution entrepreneurs to if that's a path that you're considering at any point as you grow your business which which it should be because it, it is <laughs> um in some way but be prepared right there's a lot of preparation that goes into into that um including really recognizing the value uh, of of your business and and what you personally want
1: and I think sometimes, um, at least with the entrepreneurs I've engaged with, I find that um, when you are a smaller to medium-sized business, and from the outset, it, it, it is more, um, for these folks specifically that I'm thinking about, they, sale doesn't seem like an option. Uh, mm-hmm. When you, you don't think that that's even within the horizon or potential reality, but... Um, I think a lot of people could be surprised of like who would be interested in acquiring, that this could potentially change um, the trajectory of the business and also provide a little bit more of that freedom. So for some of our listeners, this might be very interesting for them to take in and dive into. I would love to learn a little bit more about that period of time where you started investing and where this opportunity to get in with the, women or the, the VC fund that focused on female-led tech startups came up and, and you realized, hey, wait, I can be an investor. Um, what was that thought process like and, and that realization like for you, going from entrepreneur, business leader to now? Oh, wait, I can, I can actually get into the investment game.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was an interesting journey because I think so many of us, you know, as entrepreneurs or are, are, are doing different things in our communities, um, we're often mentors and advisors and champions, and 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 quite easily fall into those roles. So the addition of the invest investor piece was was quite. Quite unique for me, and I have a bit of a finance background. So, and then been in the active in the ecosystem, and it was just interesting because I, I always identified as investors as being people that didn't look like me, mm-hmm. and that were writing, very large checks, um, and so I think that that was a real. So I just discounted it. I just never considered myself at that at this stage to to fit into that that perceived bucket. <laughs> So when I was invited uh, to participate in this particular fund, um, it was with somebody who's leading it that I had known for some time. We'd worked together on a few projects and she reached out and and put the offer out there. And I think sometimes, quite honestly, and I think this applies, there's some data to back this up, but as women too, we tend to not seek these opportunities out all the time. But so, so to be invited to participate, I think that was the first step, right, is to have access to that type of Opportunity, and then and then to be kind of handheld through the process, and and to have the opportunity to ask the questions that I needed to ask, um, to even quite honestly understand which questions I needed to ask. <laughs> I, um, I'd had a sense because I'd evaluated a number of businesses certainly through my career, but um, so that was really important. But then and then you make the decision, and and as as. Myself, so speaking from my personal experience, but again, backed by data, as women, we tend to be quite risk astute. Uh, we see that in how women entrepreneurs access capital, and we see that also in how women make investment decisions. So I'm going to include myself in that bucket, <laughs> um, and that means that we want to understand the process. We want to really know which questions we need to ask. We need we want to demystify and understand the language and the lingo, and and certainly when you're looking to invest, um, you know outcomes, um, you know, risks, all of those pieces, which are really critical. So I had an opportunity um, through this process to, to ask a lot of those questions and to, and to be triggered on which questions I should ask and to learn. So at the end of the day, it became a no brainer for me because I felt very comfortable and confident and understood the risks going in that I may not see my money back. Um, but, but honestly, I was also it was a small investment. Um, I was felt just so excited and empowered to participate. Uh, I think that was a really key piece. And I was honored to be you know, now on the cap table of this fund. So that was yeah empowering.
1: Absolutely. And I think just that invitation, as you mentioned, because it can feel out of the realm of possibility, just like you said, with with selling your company until it became an option. You're like, oh, wait, I can do this? Especially when, like you said, uh, a lot of the investors in the space don't look like us. So obviously that that brings, I I would like to bring it a little uh, further along now to your time with female funders. Um, That experience uh, I think it's safe to say was a catalyst towards um, what this would now become. But when women are looking to start investing, I realize myself as as a female investor that there aren't a lot of resources for us out there to demystify and you know figure out the jargon and, and understand what is happening in this space, especially when you're going from smaller investments to like you mentioned those larger check sizes. So. If, if someone's looking to get started, get their feet wet, have some money set aside, um, where can they go? How can they start? What resources would you suggest?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and this is a, it's such an exciting time right now because there are so many more resources. I think we're also having this conversation a lot more, which is really important. Um, just to increase that awareness, and I know just as a transition point. But I, you know, when I got involved in this and started talking about it, you know, at a dinner party or with groups of friends, it's amazing how you start to recognize how many other people <laughs> share this interest and and want to just understand the first steps. And and so that's where I get obviously very excited about what we're doing with female funders because we've created this program um, focused on three key areas. So one, of course, is the education piece. Um, so demystifying the process, looking at you know even just some of the terms terms um around you know cap tables valuation the different types of securities those mm-hmm. things that we kind of hear about right we, as you go about the you know talking to entrepreneurs or just in the ecosystem at large you hear these terms and you have a sense a little bit of wh- what they mean but in- not necessarily in the context of investing, and and so we really work through sort of yeah, as you said, demystifying that, and, and providing education, framework, all of those pieces. And you're not gonna, we're not gonna be able to answer all the questions, but we certainly can help identify help people to identify which questions they should ask and what you know, understand what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and the and then the second is around just building on that access piece. Um, you know, connecting with different investment opportunities, looking at different types of co- entrepreneurs, um, funds or, or direct investments into companies. And then the biggest piece is the community piece. Um, because we and certainly as again, as, as women, you know, we thrive on collaboration, um, talking through um, some of these opportunities. And so it's really about uh, creating that continuous network uh, of support. So that's what, so we've sort of, as we say, provide this bridge because we now see, um, certainly in Canada and and beyond, um, this there's a significant transfer of wealth that's happening now too. As you know, more women are building companies as entrepreneurs, or more women are in leadership roles in organizations. Not not enough yet, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so so we have this tremendous opportunity of these female leaders with deep experience deep expertise and access to some capital Um, and this is a way to start to to participate um, both for you know obviously um personal gain and potentially financially but also there's that um wanting most women also look at impact investing right so there's that that desire for impact and return so um, so it's a it's an exciting uh, exciting time as we start to see a bit of a shift and uh, and it's about unlocking new capital and expertise to support the next generation of companies.
1: Absolutely, and I would also like to dive a little bit into that. Sometimes your first investment opportunity as an investor could be within your circle of influence already. Um, there might be folks in your network who are doing friends and family raises or or have companies that, that could leverage some of your angel investing. So people can look even closer to home potentially for investment opportunities.
2: Well exactly. And then you look at some of the new platforms that exist too in Canada, right? So obviously Front Funder is one where it's a regulated platform where newer investors and and those who are not necessarily experienced or accredited um, can participate and start to understand, you know, on an online platform, you can look at all the different documents and do your own sort of due diligence, but also know that some due diligence has been done and start at a smaller point as a way of learning. Or you can, you know, but it's about creating your own plan and strategy and goals and uh, doing the research and connecting with others who have experience.
1: And in terms of the national landscape in Canada, what what organizations or folks would you um, look to as as places for our listeners to maybe check out, uh, including Female Funders?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course I'm biased, and we really, <laughs> <laughs> we, but, but we collaborate with a lot of other groups as well, and and certainly Female Funders works with with um, leaders across North America, um, but obviously as a Canadian based initiative, um, love and we love to support others here, and really try to through our our newsletter, which of course is a free resource. Try to make sure that we're communicating, referencing different reports and and different resources. So that's a great a great place for people to learn. Um, but some of the other you know investment platforms, as I mentioned, you know there's SVX, there's. Front funder, just just to kind of get a, a sense of what's available and start to, to look around. Of course NACO, an incredible resource, they're a very big partner of ours, so that's the National Angel Capital Organization and they have a number of free resources and then even a lot of the angel groups they will and welcome guests to participate in some of their events and you can see a list of those on, on the NACO website but locally and that's that's another way and then I'd also just say just start talking to people, you know, bring it at dinner parties, because it's amazing how you will either identify in those conversations people who are already involved <laughs> in, in investing, um, who may be able to connect you to opportunities or, or ideas, or, or may be interested, and, and maybe you start to explore opportunities together. Um, so And then, of course, always reaching out to people that you admire and want to learn from. I mean, we're really fortunate within the female funders community. We work with what we call investor mentors, so we have male and female investor mentors uh, across. North America, who typically are partners in venture capital firms, or experienced angel investors. And they're so incredible with sharing their knowledge, experience and, and connections. And, and so, you know, sometimes it's just connecting with some of those people and, and, and asking. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'm excited to sign up for your guys's newsletter. And also the the mentor aspect, I feel like that is so invaluable and something that would not have existed a few years ago. So that's that's really wonderful. And you mentioned earlier reports, and uh, I know that female funders launched its own a few weeks ago. Um, so this question around diversity in investment um, – I obviously know why that's important, <laughs> and this mm-hmm. seems like sort of a redundant question to me because I have a feeling our listeners also know, but can you share a little bit about the statistics you uncovered and the value of increasing diversity in um, those involved in investing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know, too, I mean, we hear often in the media that 2.2% of venture capital funding goes to companies with with female CEOs. Um we think we can do better than that. <laughs> so <laughs> one one of the reasons uh, for that, I mean, there are many, so don't get me wrong, there are many, including women accessing capital differently. But, um, you know, we, we believe it's because the percentage of, of people making um, those types of investment decisions, you know—we we need to increase that. So as an example, 12 percent of managing partners of VC funds are women. Um, you know, and last year, so this is the second year we did this report. Uh, Last year, we really focused on data in Canada and we partnered with Hockey Stick and and NACO and identified that 14% of angel investors in Canada are women. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is this year that's increased slightly to just under 17%. So that's, helpful. Um, And we'll see that trend continue. In fact, um, one data point in the U.S. too from the American Angel Capital Association is that 30% of new angel investors are women. Um, So that's that's encouraging. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, and we. So, what we're finding, of course, is that if we, our goal, um, certainly through female funders, is to increase the number of women uh, making those investment decisions. So, becoming partners at venture capital firms, or obviously directing their personal capital as as angel investors, or even within organizations that they work in, um, you know, directing making investment decisions for the types of companies that are being invested in or coming on as clients or that sort of thing within corporations. So by unlocking more of that expertise, we all know the value of having diverse perspectives around a table, making decisions. And I strongly believe that we will then see more capital um, be directed to more diverse founders.
1: Knowing that 30% of like incoming angel investors are women, oh my goodness, just knowing that statistic absolutely feels like okay, we're like, this is great progress. Like this is very promising as you, as you said. And, um, I, that makes me really excited.
2: Yeah, and it's incredible because we also know, I mean, we, we, we know the value, as we say, of, of those diverse perspectives. Um, we know, you know, women do, 90% of their investment decisions are focused on impact. Uh, so, and that's looking at things like, you know, climate change, <laughs> and looking mm-hmm. at education, health care, you know, things that have a real impact. And, and you know, and more... Yeah. I mean, women led companies right now, they're creating incredible technologies, incredible businesses. And just to see some of those, um, yeah, them to get the resources they need to grow and thrive is really going to change the face of the future of innovation.
1: And so on that future based standpoint, when you think and conceive of legacy and what you're creating and building, what would that future reality look like for you? Well, I think our goal, and I, I keep saying our and we because it's definitely a
2: team and work closely with a colleague, Lauren Robinson, as well, who's doing some amazing things, um, building a, a fund right now, um, which will also contribute to to this and, and so many incredible initiatives across Canada. And we really try to collaborate with each of them. So, I mean, my ultimate goal, when you look back, even even quite honestly, five years from now, um, is is having... You know, diverse perspectives, when we look around, when we see the types of companies that are receiving support in the ecosystem, we're going to see a positive change, we're going to see more focus on those big things that we need to focus on in this world right now. Um, to improve. I I keep talking about climate change. It's been on my mind a lot lately. uh, Rightfully so. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, we're going to see a real shift to solving some major world problems Um, with more collaborative approaches, um, different mindsets. And and that gets me just really excited and more people at the table, um, more diverse people, you know, benefiting. We also see, and I'll just, this is another point by, you know, women investing, they tend to, if they invest and if they financially benefit from that, they're also much more likely to recycle that, circle it back into the ecosystem. That's hugely powerful too, right? Mm -hmm. Just when you look at the perpetual benefit from that. So I'm excited for expediting (laughs) the change that can happen. And, And I love that, you know, through female funders, we're playing a role in that because we're actually seeing directly these women we're seeing action being taken because we're seeing these incredible women who have the tools who have the knowledge and we're just really we're just connecting the dots (laughs) for them they have everything we're just bringing the pieces together so that they feel empowered to start taking action and writing checks and supporting the companies that they believe in and that is yeah that's amazing
1: and so invaluable um i think that connecting the dots and creating those invitations, that's a total game changer for folks who haven't had a seat at the table before. So thank you guys for for doing that and creating that. So we've been able to chat a lot about um, becoming an investor, but for those who might be pitching to investors or trying to find investors, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs who are in that space? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely it
2: comes to like anything, know your audience, right? So so doing a bit of research. Um, investors in particular are getting much better. Um, you know, certainly the venture capital firms that sort of profiling what the types of companies they're looking for. Angel investors, I mean, certainly what we talk a lot about through our program as part of the education process is at the end is what are your interests? What is your investment thesis? And so they're getting quite clear on what their interests are and what they're also bringing to the table, which helps entrepreneurs to kind of reach out <laughs> to, to know. Um, so so do your research, understand what people are interested in. Um and then reach out because really the relationship between investors and entrepreneurs is, is, is so important, right? It really is built on that mutual respect and trust. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about is even that I have trouble with the term pitch and how we, we set up all of these pitch sessions because to me that seems very one-sided. Um and we talk a lot both to entrepreneurs and investors about it needs to be reciprocal, right? It's a reciprocal relationship. So it's typically a longer term relationship. You're going to go through highs and lows. Um, so it needs to be built from the get go on that, um, point of trust. So for, for entrepreneurs reaching out is understand who do you want, right? Like really knowing who you want, you're in control of, of who's coming onto your cap table. Um, and think a little bit outside the box, though, around what that looks like. And then, and then start to reach out to people and develop relationships. Use your network, of course. LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. But also be very clear on your ask when you're, when you're speaking to investors.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that clarity is so key, and that there are so many resources available for entrepreneurs online to know how to build that clarity um, and, and specificity when they are doing their outreach, um, which I think can often go overlooked sometimes. Definitely, definitely. So, I'd love to talk, dive a little bit into your how you manage um, life, <laughs> and this is a the utmost importance to me when I think of how we enable people to thrive, as is the name of this podcast. And you've obviously gone from prolific entrepreneurship uh, career to um, continuing that entrepreneurship bone by creating female funders, and now on the investment side. When you look at the fund- founders that you invest in. Um, do you consider their overall well-being? Like how does that play into your investing ethos? And then secondary to that, I guess, is like that's often rooted in our own personal experiences. So how does that um, color how you coach, mentor the companies that you might invest in or the folks that that you mentor?
2: Wow, so many That was things. a lot. I <laughs> usually am really good at not like
1: really loaded questions, but that one just kind of – Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jill. Let's let's see what comes out of this answer. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. So many things. So I mean, yes, I think that is a key piece. That's, that's definitely a value of mine is is looking holistically at the people involved, and and certainly when you're investing in early stage companies, it's the people, right? At the end of the day, it comes down to the people that are leading the company, and so their well-being, not just because of you know, you want to be a good human mm-hmm. <laughs> make sure they're doing well, but you know, they need to take care of themselves and, and feel good to be able to thrive to build their business, which will which will benefit everybody. So so that I, I absolutely do. I mean, I just by the my own personal nature and values, I you know, you yeah, I care about people, <laughs> I want to help people. So that has to be baked in and and you know that is the we see this the stats now too around entrepreneurship and mental health and the you know the amount of pressure we put on ourselves um is is significant and i think we're going to continue to see some negative impacts from all of that then we need to manage that as much as possible and we need to support each other as much as possible um through that so yes i (laughs) consider i consider the well-being of of Um, all the people involved and and that even goes to you know looking and evaluating companies is how are the how's the leadership not only taking care of themselves but how are they supporting their team and developing a culture where everybody can thrive and and that's not always easy in the early days when it's really just about building and, (laughs) and survival sometimes right so but but I think that's something we need to we need to continue to talk more about and look at absolutely um and then for my, myself, I always find this a very difficult conversation or to have because I don't think there's any right answer. right? And we all deal with things differently. Um, I, I worry about this a lot for other people. I haven't figured it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a forever work in progress.
2: Exactly. But I would say the one thing, and I see this in a lot of entrepreneurs, obviously, and the one thing I've been so fortunate to have is that I've been able to consistently do work that I'm extremely passionate about, and that I care deeply about, and that I'm surrounded by people who are doing amazing things. And I think as a result of that, like, that's everything in a way, because... I couldn't imagine, you know, getting up every day and the pace that we all operate at <laughs> consistently if, if you don't have that passion. And so I think, obviously, that's a, a primary reason why many people start businesses. And so uh, so that's been a grounding piece for me. Um, and and then I, the other part is just making sure you have people around you who can support you. And i I've fortunate that I have, I've always worked a lot because I'm passionate <laughs> about what I do and I have two kids. Um, and I have a very supportive partner who does a lot of the, at home pieces. And I have an incredible group of friends who keep me grounded and call me out on stuff when I'm I'm not. And I think that's, that's a key piece for us all.
1: I completely agree. And when it comes to that foundational part for yourself, um, how has how you take care of yourself shifted over the years?
2: Uh, I think I, I don't actually know if it has that much, other than my increased awareness. Mm. I mean, I I know when I feel that overwhelm that we all do feel, and you can feel it in your in your your gut and in your insides, and your you just think whether it's just looking at your inbox it gives you <laughs> anxiety, <laughs> gives you anxiety, which is I think most days for all of us now, because that's a that's something that needs to change, but. Or just, you know, the, the overwhelm of opportunities that we have now because of, of technology and, you know, access to resources now. I mean, anything is possible, um, which is so incredible, but also can be <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, again, I, I think I, I shift. But I, I know for me personally, I mean, it's little things like getting outside, like I need to be. I'm a nature girl, mm-hmm. so I need to be that, – that grounds me, and I know I have to get out and do that. I know I need a certain amount of sleep. I think that's – I probably put more of a priority on sleep later, in my, like more recently. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at it, but, <laughs> but, but recognize the value in that, and, and like that's essential. So little, little things like that. And, and But I would say the big shift that I've seen is that people are talking about yeah. it more. And and supporting each other to make good decisions around. Absolutely.
1: that. I feel like we're past the point of needing more productivity hacks. We actually just need more conversation around well-being and wellness in the entrepreneurial context. So that's that's why I like to bring it in at the end of uh, closer to the end of each interview. Even how we, how we define success. Right. I mean, I.
2: I feel like that is hopefully shifting a little bit too, right? where we used to define success in some ways by how much we worked. It was a point of pride um, or how much money we made, those sorts of things. And I am hopeful, certainly when I see the younger generation, um, that it is more around impact, which I think gives us a different sense of purpose, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, which will ground us and support us in
1: Far beyond. all these things. Um, so, yeah, it just, it gives you that, it grounds you in a, in a really important way, yeah. as you said. So, my yeah. last question for all my guests on the show is this: um, What advice do you have for our listeners so that they can thrive in their lives and in their work?
2: Yeah, my key piece of advice that's been really helpful for me is 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 about being curious. And I know that sounds really simple, but I think sometimes certainly as entrepreneurs, we're our own worst enemies because we have so much going on and um, we don't always ask for help or take the time to to ask the questions um, or to even create space to explore what those questions <laughs> might be, um, to help us grow, to help us thrive. Um, and even if it is just recognizing that we need more space, <laughs> um, personal space to, to, you know, to, to think differently, right. And, and to different. So I would say, be curious. Don't be afraid to ask, ask questions, um, reach out to people who you're curious to learn, learn from, and just always, always be curious. Cause I think that's gonna, that's gonna support us all and, and help us to, to grow and, and, and thrive in our businesses as well as personally.
1: Thank you so much, Jill. I so appreciated this conversation and having you on the show. And I really uh, implore our listeners who are interested to check out female funders and to join the newsletter. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was wonderful to, to speak with you.
1: Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit Corespace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.